Have you ever gone to the refrigerator and got out your milk jug and poured a big glass of milk or maybe poured into a bowl of cereal or whatever and then taken a big swig of that milk only to discover that it is spoiled? You ever done that? I'm convinced that somebody did that along the way and decided we need a date on the carton. You know, that date, that expiration date is on that milk carton so that we would know the approximate time frame when that milk could go bad. So if my expiration date on my milk jug is February 12th, then that tells me around the 12th of February, give or take a few days, my milk is going to spoil. And so what that expiration date tells me is that on February 12th, if I'm a little paranoid, maybe February 11th, I need to start the smell test. You, you know that? You get it out, you take the lid off, and you take a big whiff of it just to make sure it smells good. If it smells good, you're going to keep drinking it, maybe on the 13th and the 14th and the 15th. But at some point, you're going to take that lid off, and you're going to smell it. and be like, that milk is way far gone. And you will know there's no turning back. That milk is bad. You been there? All right, let's look at Revelation chapter 18 together. Revelation chapter 18. John is seeing another part of the vision of God's judgment specifically on Babylon. We were introduced to that vision in chapter 17. We're continuing that vision of destruction and judgment on Babylon in chapter 18. Revelation 18, verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. John sees a vision of the specific judgment of God beginning to fall on Babylon. And the first thing he sees here is this mighty angel with the glory of God coming down and crying out that fallen is Babylon. And Babylon is the gathering of the world in one place that set its heart against the Lord in all wickedness and idolatry. Every form of evil has gathered there and been corralled there. And what's interesting is that every form of carrion bird, scavenger birds, are being kept in that place. So the picture is this gathering or corralling of all evil, wickedness, and idolatry being brought together for a moment of judgment that is imminent. And you have all these scavenger birds hanging out because the picture is when judgment falls, there will be plenty of slain for the carrion birds of the earth to feast. It is a terrible vision. 
of imminent judgment. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back, even as she has paid, and give back to her double according to her deeds. In the cup which she has mixed, mix twice as much for her, to the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For the Lord God who judges her is strong. There is a voice that comes out of the heaven. Every time in Revelation we have seen or heard a voice coming out of heaven, not attributed to an angel, it is the voice of God. And here we see the voice of God ringing from the throne room. And it's a simple command to the people of God. Come out of Babylon so that you will not participate in her sins or her judgment. It's a clear command to the people of God. A command even for us. And then we hear about the judgment that God is going to bring on Babylon. That God is going to levy a judgment upon Babylon, the wickedness and idolatry of the world, symbolized in this great city of rebellion that will be just and right, poured out in appropriate measure. And it will happen in a moment. Judgment of God will be poured out, and the attitude of Babylon that I will never give an account to God for what I have done. I don't need God to have everything that I want, and nothing will stop me from having the life I desire, and I will never mourn at all. That attitude of arrogance and self-sufficiency and pride will come to an abrupt end because even though Babylon acts as if she is strong enough to live with no regard for God, the reality is Babylon is not strong at all. No, the God who judges Babylon is strong. Verse 9, and the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her 
when they see in the smoke of her burning, standing at the distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. The merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet. Every kind of citron wood, every article of ivory and every article made from very costly wood and bronze and iron and marble. And cinnamon and spice and incense and perfume and frankincense and wine and olive oil and fine flour and wheat and cattle and sheep and cargoes of horses and chariots and slaves and human lives. The fruit you long for has gone from you. And all things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you. And men will no longer find them. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, she who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste. And every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor, as many as make their living by the sea, stood at a distance and were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour... She has been laid waste. You hear in this part of the vision, the world who has enjoyed life through the wickedness, rebellion, immorality, and idolatry of Babylon. You can trace Babylon all the way back to the fall of man. This attitude of, I don't need God in order to have life. I'll never have to give account to God for any way I want to live. I just need to live the way that will give me the most life. This attitude that I can neglect God and still find life that has occurred since the fall of man will culminate in the gathering of Babylon and the world against God. And they will stand in all of their wealth, sensuality, immorality, materialism, idolatry against God as if they can have life apart from God. And they will all witness that in just a moment, every ounce of life they have enjoyed through their rebellion will be vaporized in judgment. We're told that the sins of Babylon are piled up as high as heaven. And that God is remembering her sins. Every place in the scripture we read 
that God remembers iniquities, it always results in judgment. God is remembering the iniquity of the world. And he is bringing forth his just judgment. The God who judges is strong. And the pursuit of emptiness has now delivered emptiness. Look at verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. At the sight of this judgment, all of heaven and all the people of God are encouraged to rejoice. Commanded, rejoice. Do you remember back in Revelation chapter 6 when we broke the fifth seal of God's judgment? When the fifth seal was broken back in Revelation chapter 6, we saw that under the altar of God were the souls of those who had been slain for following Jesus Christ. And they were crying out under the altar, God, how long until you avenge our blood that was spilled on the ground simply because we followed you in a world that did not care about you and believed it would never have to answer to you. How long until you bring vengeance? Do you remember God's response to the souls under the altar who were crying out for judgment? God gave them white robes. White robes to remind them that he had poured out his mercy and grace so that they might be saved from their sin. So they would remember grace and mercy even though they were crying out for vengeance. God wanted them to be reminded of how he had poured out his grace and mercy on their undeserving lives so that then they would respond favorably to his words of encouragement to them which were wait a little longer because there are more people who will respond to my mercy and grace. Just hang on. Well, Revelation 18. The wait has come to an end. There is nobody left who would respond to the mercy of God. And the mercy of God has run out. And so the judgment of God that falls is just and right. So that now all of heaven and the people of God are witnessing the just, righteous judgment of God falling on the rebellion and wickedness of a world that would not at all, no matter what, turn to God in a cry for mercy. And God brings judgment 
in a just and righteous fashion so that now all the people of God and all of heaven rejoice because God, once and for all, from this point forward, will never in His glory and His righteousness, His mercy and grace, be belittled, ignored, or neglected again. God in all His glory and His kindness and His goodness will be rightly glorified by all who have been rescued by the blood of Jesus Christ and will forever experience the goodness of now all things being made right. And they rejoice. The world rejoices. The world who has followed Christ rejoices. Look at verse 21. Then a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence. It will not be found any longer. The sound of harpists, musicians, and flute players, and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer. No craftsman of any craft will be found in you any longer. The sound of a mill will not be heard in you any longer. The light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. Babylon has pursued life and enjoyed the fruit of her sensuality, rebellion, and idolatry. But when the judgment of God falls, there will be no creativity left, no music. No art, no crafts. There'll be no creativity. There'll be no productivity. There'll be no activity whatsoever. There will be no joy. There'll be no wedding dances. There will be no life at all. All that will be for Babylon and her pursuits is judgment. And God will rightly and justly pour out his wrath. Because Babylon has sought to defy him, rebel against him, and kill everyone who follows him. The God who judges Babylon is strong. So what does that mean for us today? What does Revelation 18 mean for us here in Georgetown? What does it mean for us in the gym venue in Liberty Hill? What does this mean for us? It's the family of First Baptist Church. Have you ever read places in the Scripture where 
there is this cry against our enemies. That God would bring judgment on our enemies so that we might enter into the celebration of his judgment over those who stand against us. Have you read places like that, particularly in the Old Testament? There's a great example of that in Psalm 109 where David is praying a prayer for his enemy. And he says, he says something like this. He says, let my enemy's prayer become sin. If my enemy cries out to you, God, let that cry be sin in your eyes. Let my enemy's days be few. Let his children be fatherless, his wife a widow, his children let them wander about and beg. Let the bank take everything from my enemy and let his name be completely blotted out forever. Now what if next Sunday you showed up here and I said, Today, I want to share with you a prayer. You can pray for that coworker that you can't stand, that neighbor that's really bothering you. Let's all turn to Psalm 109. I'd like you to leave today, and when you go home, I'd like you to pray for your coworker. Lord, I pray for my coworker that he would absolutely be ravaged, that the bank would take everything he owns, that his wife would become a widow, that his children would be fatherless, that they'd wander about homeless and beg for everything. I pray, Lord, that everything my neighbor does to try to find you would end as if he was the most sinful person in the world, and that your judgment would fall on him in such a way that you would blot him from the face of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you be like, what is going on in this place? And yet we can see throughout Scripture that there is this cry for God's just judgment on our enemies as the people of God, on the enemies of God and His righteousness, so that we might enter into a time of rejoicing over the fall and the judgment of our enemies. What are we going to do with all of that? That's what we've got here in Revelation 18. Okay, so let's say that this week I utter a prayer for, I won't say coworker because, you know, that doesn't sound so good. I'll just say neighbor, and if you are my neighbor, I'm not praying for you. So say I say a prayer for my neighbor. Lord, I pray that my neighbor, his house would burn down. I pray that his pets would die. Lord, I pray that my, my neighbor's car would completely fall apart. I really would like for his wife to be a widow. Lord, I'd love for you just to blot him out from my neighborhood, and I'd like to be able to assume his house and sell it and get the proceeds. I'd, I'd, Lord, would you do that for my neighbor? You know, you know what God's going to say to me when I pray that prayer? Every cry over injustice by those who have experienced injustice is a cry for what only I can deliver. I hear what you're saying. But Kevin, don't miss the fact that I've already answered that prayer. Your neighbor does not know me. He despises me, and he makes life uncomfortable for you and your neighborhood. 
And I've answered your cry for my judgment to fall upon him. Here's how I've answered it. I poured out all my wrath for your neighbor's sin on Jesus Christ. I fulfilled the cry for justice with those who have sinned against you. And I've poured out all my wrath on Jesus Christ for all their sins so that they might have a window of my mercy to respond and receive the same gift you received. Freedom from judgment. That's really good news for the world. It's really good news for you and me. Because the reality is that everyone in this room has sinned against God. And for our sins, we are due the wrath of God. But God in his kindness overlooked the sins of the world, including yours and including mine. And instead focused his laser attention on Jesus Christ and poured out all his wrath on Jesus Christ for all our sins so that we might live in a window of his mercy and respond to this opportunity to receive the forgiveness of our sins and have Jesus' death cover our sins. We have this window of God's mercy to respond to the command of God, come out of Babylon. The world has the window. We have the window. But listen to this. The mercy of God has an expiration date. There is a day when God's mercy will run out. And so this morning when we hear the command of God, come out of Babylon so that you will not participate in her sins or her judgment. Please hear the voice of God. He is appealing in the window of his mercy for you to respond to his command to run out of your sin, to run out of Babylon, and to run straight to Jesus Christ. This is the window of God's mercy. One of the great things that I have loved so much about the last series in New Life in Christ is that we have been able to see and hear about multiple stories of individuals in our church family who have said, I'm ready to leave my sin behind. I'm ready to come out of Babylon. I see the window of God's mercy and I'm ready to come out and leave my sin behind and walk in repentance and live new life in Christ. And it has been absolutely fabulous to hear individuals who are ready to seize that window of mercy and leave their sin behind and pursue Jesus Christ more than ever before in their lives. But I'm convinced 
God's mercy is still at work, and he is not done with our church family. We are in the window of God's mercy, and he is calling to you and to me, come out of your sin and run to Jesus Christ. Run to him. You know, one of the things that I've observed in my own life and those recently as they have turned to the Lord in confession of sin and walking in repentance is that oftentimes coming out of Babylon is really hard. It can be a time of mourning and sorrow and regret. Oftentimes, coming out of Babylon can be so much about mourning because what we're coming out of is shameful and hidden, difficult to leave behind. We're embarrassed that we stayed there as long as we did, and we don't want to admit that we are broken. And so admitting brokenness is so challenging and is often accompanied with mourning, hardship. But the invitation to come out is offered because we're in a window of mercy and it's God's desire that we come out of our sin, we come out of Babylon and we walk in the mourning of confession and repentance and we walk in the sorrow of our regret and we deal with the impact of our shame and we walk into the light of Jesus Christ in the community of believers. So here's the choice we have before us in Revelation 18. We can choose to mourn and grieve and deal with the sorrow of repentance and come out of Babylon and discover that what awaits us is rejoicing forever. Or we can continue to strive in Babylon, living like we will never really have to give an account to God, striving to find satisfaction and joy in the midst of our brokenness, striving for a kind of rejoicing that the world does offer temporarily. We can stay there only to find Rejoicing comes to an end, and all that will be left is mourning forever. Those are our choices. Come out of your sin and run to Jesus Christ and find rejoicing forever. Coming out of Babylon means coming out of a life that Believes we can live life without God. Acting like you can find what life is really about at the same time neglecting God. Babylon's sins are those sins that say, I can enjoy the stuff of the world at the expense of God and still find enough life to make it worth it. The sins of Babylon are thinking that you're never going to give an account for your life. The sins of Babylon are lust, anger, 
pride and jealousy, apathy and neglect. The sins of Babylon are any form of brokenness that we choose to live in instead of running out of straight to Jesus Christ. God is strong and there is no escape from judgment. The only way to escape judgment is through the strength of Jesus Christ by running to him knowing that he will carry you out of your sin into eternal life. You've got to run out of Babylon. You've got to run straight to Jesus Christ. Do you want to leave Babylon behind? Do you, do you want to know God more than anything else? Do you want to hear him speak to you out of the words of this scripture? Do you want your heart to be arrested by his love? Do you want your life's decisions to be captured by his purposes? Do you want to live life and live life to the full, even in the most difficult of times? Do you want to experience what God created you to experience? Do you want to know God more than anything else in your life? Then you've got to decide you're going to come out of Babylon. You're going to run straight to Jesus and can pursue him with everything you are every day the rest of your life. Following Jesus Christ, trusting in him is a life of repentance. There's no other way to experience the joy and the reality of Jesus Christ than to determine I'm going to keep on running out of Babylon the rest of my life because I want you more than I want anything else and I know that you are strong. Do you know what it means that God is strong? It means that God will deliver on his promises. It means that you can find life in Christ. It means that he alone can satisfy. It means that he can carry you out of your sin and right into eternal life. You've got to make the decision. I'm coming out of Babylon no matter what. i never forget the conversation that I had with my grandpa years ago. I was just an older teenager. And my grandpa said to me one day, Kevin, I want to tell you about something. I said, yeah, what is that, grandpa? He said, I've got some friends in my life who say they're Christians. They tell me they're Christians. But when I watch the way they live, the way they talk, the things they say and the things they do, I think to myself, how in the world can somebody say they're Christian and live like these guys are living? It just didn't make sense to me. He says, so I asked him. I was confused. And I said to him, you guys all say you're Christians, but I'm looking at the way you're living, and you're doing anything and everything you want to do in your life, and you don't care about anything that God's Word says. Some of you are having affairs. Some of you are out doing this and that. It's like it doesn't even matter to you. He said, he said, Kevin, I see some of my friends, and they say they're Christians, but they live lives that are, some of them, worse than the people who say they're not Christians in my life. So I just asked him, how is it that you can do that? He goes, and this is what they told me. My grandpa's name was Bill. He said, Bill? We can live any way we want to now that Jesus has forgiven us. And he looked at me and he said, Kevin, 
That can't be right, can it? Revelation 18, God calls his people to come out of Babylon so that they will not participate in her sins and they will not participate in her judgments. There, there is a way not to participate in the judgment of Babylon through trusting in Jesus Christ. And we all want to know if we've been forgiven for our sins, right? We want to know if we've escaped judgment. And the scripture is very clear. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 says, I will be merciful to their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. So through faith in Jesus Christ, we have a promise that all our sins will be forgiven, completely wiped out, and that God will under no circumstance whatsoever remember our sins. Babylon's sins are fully remembered by God. That's bad news. We don't want that. Well, in Jesus Christ, all our sins are forever forgotten. So we can escape judgment. But the mercy of God extended to us is a mercy that's extended so that we might trust in Jesus Christ and in trusting in him run out of Babylon and our sin straight to him so that we might experience the grace that gives us brand new life. And anybody who believes that they can live whatever way they want to live has failed to hear the clear command of God here in Revelation 18 and throughout the rest of the Bible. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, he wants to take you out of your sin and take you down the path of his righteousness so that you might be a light in the darkness. Because while the window of mercy exists, we have a world around us that needs to see a people who've come out of Babylon and have found real life. The only way the world around us will see the counterfeit life that Babylon offers is if we are declaring that life is in Jesus Christ and we're living it. Yes, we can be free from judgment. But that always goes hand in hand with coming out of Babylon, leaving your sin behind, and running with everything you are to Jesus Christ trusting that he's going to carry you right out of your sin into eternal life. Do not miss the window of God's goodness. Every life in this room has an expiration date. And while the milk of God's mercy is fresh, Drink in his goodness. Come out of Babylon.